We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the August 23rd episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We're just about on to week three of the NFL preseason. We've got two guests today. We're going to talk about the Panthers and 49ers, and we've been doing the Rotowire Beat Riders for the teams, but we're going to switch it up for our first guest today. Uh, my friend Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network. I usually go on Jim's pregame show on uh, every week before the Panthers play, and now I've dragged Jim in with me. How many, hey man, how many drafts do you have coming up? Only four, uh, so I know you probably have twice as many as that, but four. I do think, though, John, I have what might be a first is this Sunday I'm calling the Charlotte Knights game with Mike Pacheco, and the game starts at 5, and I have a draft that begins online at 7.30. So I think I might be the first ever to call a baseball game while conducting a fantasy draft simultaneously. Yes! I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That is so great. You, I told Mike, we're going to alternate innings of play-by-play and color. I go, once it, it, it could be it's a quick game, and maybe we get done two and a half hours, it won't even overlap. I said to uh, 
Mike, I go, if we get like eighth inning or whatever, you're the play-by-play guy. I'm the color guy because I'm going to be a little distracted. But, you know, they, they can wait till I make my pick, obviously, as we're calling the game. But it would be really hard to do play-by-play versus color while doing a draft. You should you should tell people, you should talk about it on the air and, and tell people, hey, my pick is up, who should, and ask them on Twitter <laughs> for recommendations. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I mean, I think it's a first. I don't know if anyone's ever called it. You know, at least that level triple A baseball while conducting an NFL fantasy draft at the same it could be a first, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's great. So uh, two and one count and well, I've got the eighth pick in the first <laughs> round. Should I take Odell Beckham right now? That's awesome. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I have a feeling that the draft will suffer. I'm gonna make sure the broadcast, of course, that's the that's the most important thing doesn't suffer. But I'm gonna have to live with these draft consequences. So hopefully I can at least make a solid pick. Awesome. All right, folks, um, before we move on to the Panthers talk, uh, check us out on Twitter. Jim is at Jim Zoki. That's S-Z-O-K-E. I am at jhalpin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get the player update feed at Rotowire NFL. And we've always got stuff on Facebook. Okay, let's talk Panthers. So Cam Newton was, he finished last season as QB2 in fantasy football. He's being drafted as QB6 right now behind... I will give you that list. Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and Drew Brees. This is according to Fantasy Football Calculator. North Turner doesn't seem to want to rein in Cam's running. You and I have joked around. Uh, we've been working together for, for five years on various Panther things. This is the fifth year. And every year, I always joke, if I had a nickel for every time they said, Cam's not going to run so much this year. And every year he runs. <laughs> right, right. What do you think is going to happen here? Is it more of the same? Do the weapons that he has make him even better as a fantasy option? What do you, what do you think we're going to see? I think his passing will improve, but I, I, and I'm playing right in your hands with this answer. I don't think he's going to run as much this year. I think he ran so much last year by default. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was terrific in the receiving game, uh, but he averaged, what, 3.7 a carry or less, and uh, maybe it's three and a half, I'm not even sure at this point. And Jonathan Stewart was well under four yards to carry too so the traditional running game between the tackles and even on the edges they were giving it to the receivers on jet sweeps and reverses cam was running they were kind of manufacturing a running game last year i thought i think this year and again we'll, we'll hopefully uh, plug and play and be able to get through the season with uh, some injuries to begin the season at offensive line and then some of these guys will return as the year wears on I think with the way we've seen McCaffrey play so far with C.J. Anderson, what he brings, a, a younger version of Jonathan Stewart, I think those carries can go elsewhere. But I do see in the passing game where his numbers should go up. And, of course, you know, fantasy completion percentage doesn't matter. Uh, but I think it will lead to more completions that lead to more yards, more touchdown passes. Uh, so, And he's not going to quit running. So that's not going to go away. So I, I think Cam's going to be very good in fantasy football this year. And it might be because better in the passing category and a little bit less in the running category. All right, so which so you're more on the quarterback two or three or the quarter? So you think the quarterback six is a little low, probably? I think you know the guys you named are all going to be studs. So it's you know it's pick a you know pick one or the other there. But I think he's a top five quarterback fantasy because his numbers are going to go up. This offense, somebody's going to be open. I like to go back to this play in the first game where Cam's surveying the field. He looks everywhere. And Alex Arma is just standing there by himself, waving his arms essentially in the flat. I mean, somebody's always going to be open in this game. And so he won't have to make, you know, throw into double coverage, thread a needle kind of throws if he makes the right choices. And it sounds like from what Norb Turner and Ron Rivera are saying as far as where we are in this preseason, Cam is making smart choices. He's not forcing it in. He's not being, you know, super focused on one receiver not coming off of that. He's, he's looking at all the options and choosing the best one. 
he should have a lot of completions in this offense. It's designed for that. And he's not going to quit running. We know that. So he's going to run as, as part of that running game component. So I like him as a top five fantasy quarterback. Okay. Let's go to running back. Christian McCaffrey is one of the more interesting guys. The, the fir- After the first two preseason games, his stock is going up, up, up for fantasy yeah. football drafters. Uh, so this stuff, first of all, this stuff about 25 to 30 touches a game. Why, why did he even say that? Like what's it's such I don't nonsense. know. I guess we're going to run 200 plays a game, and that would be the percentage if we ran 200 <laughs> offensive plays a game. But uh, now I will say this: I think he's capable on any given Sunday or Monday or Thursday of touching the ball 25, 30 times. So I think there will be some games where that does happen. In fact, this Miami preseason game last week, if he played four quarters, he easily would have had that many touches in the game. Uh, but I think there's going to be other weeks, and the whole premise of this North Turner offense is. It's going to be different every week. One week it might be Greg Olson gets 10 catches or Devin Funches gets 10 catches or C.J. Anderson carries it 18 times. That's the beauty of it. It's supposed to be so many hands touching the ball that it shouldn't be the same every week. So I think there will be weeks where he has 25, 30 touches, and there might be weeks where it's 12 to 15 uh, because there's other things that are available. Or they have, say, a three-touchdown lead, and they're just going to run C.J. Anderson and keep it simple. Or they're behind, and they got to make deep throws to receivers. And so they got to catch up in that way. So he'll always be one of the main centerpieces of the offense. But, yeah, it's not going to be the same every week to week. You can't bank on that. I do think your, your, your listeners are right and viewers in that, that you, absolutely his stock should be rising. If he was viewed earlier as, say, a fourth-round pick, third-round pick, I, I think second-round pick is easy. And who knows, in PPR leagues, uh, like a lot of them are, he, he might be a late first-round pick. Yeah, he's going to catch a ton of passes again. Do you think, how much do the, the for those unfamiliar, the Panthers – they're having some offensive line issues. Um, right tackle Daryl Thomas. Daryl Thomas. Um, Daryl Williams. Daryl yeah. Williams. Thank you. Um, hurt his knee, and we don't know his status. First, we thought he might miss the season. Now they're talking about maybe he's one of those guys who comes off IR early to come back. Um, Matt Khalil hurt his knee. He had some surgery. We're not sure when he's going to be back. That hopefully is going to be a short termer. Uh, they lost Andrew Norwell. You know, it, it was nice coming in to think, hey. Christian McCaffrey is going to run the ball better this year. I feel like people around here, I don't want to make this too Charlotte-centric segment, but we're shrugging off those offensive line injuries a bit. Do you- yeah, and I think um, there's concern. Yeah, there's concern. I mean, first of all, Andrew Norwell, obviously one of the best guards in the league, and when he left here for Jacksonville for a moment in time, was the highest paid guard in the league, and I guess surpassed. So you're losing an all-pro left guard. In Daryl Williams, you're losing a borderline all-pro right uh, tackle who was second team I think last year uh, and then you lose your left tackle Matt Khalil love him or not I mean he's your starting left tackle and Amini Silatilla was that swing guy that sixth guy and he was inserted in the lineup he got hurt good news is with all three it sounds like all three will be back at various times whether that's weeks or months it's measured in and Daryl Williams a little bit of a question mark that you know we'll see that's still to be determined that he can't come back so we'll see on that one the good news is they love Taylor Moten he's playing great mm-hmm. second year guy but he was a second round pick they plugged him into right tackle. Seems to be holding up well at left tackle. Uh, Ian Searles, who they brought over from Jeremiah Searles from Minnesota, veteran guy who filled in for Matt Khalil, ironically, in Minnesota when he got hurt a couple years ago in 2016 in Minnesota. So he's a swing guy to play guard and tackle. And Ron Rivera says that's what we've got on this team. We have guard centers. We have tackle guards. We have guys that can play multiple positions. So, no, it's not ideal. It's not optimum. It's not going to be quite as good. But John Masco, I would tell you, one of the great offensive line coaches in the league, will get the very best out of those five, whoever are out there at a given time. 
Greg Van Roten's been solid at left guard. Again, another young veteran with some backups behind him. Remember, Andrew Norwell was an undrafted rookie guy that went on to become Pro Bowl guard. So I'm not saying every guy is going to achieve that, but they can get by and be solid, and they'll adjust. If it means you know very quick passes to begin the season for the first month until everyone gets back, you know maybe they adjust how they do things. Maybe they don't run as much between the tackles to start out the season just because it's not there. Or maybe it works out. I mean, you just never know. So we'll see, I think. But don't give up on this Panthers offensive line. They do have good depth, led by Taylor Moten. Okay. So to one of the other guys you mentioned, C.J. Anderson, uh, they brought him in basically to fill the Jonathan Stewart role. Uh, hopefully right. better than Jonathan Stewart did last year because that didn't, right. he, he, he might be on his last legs or whatever. Right now, C.J. Anderson, look, he's not going to be like you said. He's going he's gonna to be hard to predict and, and it sounds like it's going to be based on game script. At least that's what you seem to think. But right now, C.J. Anderson is going, I'm looking at standard uh, draft league. He's going early 10th round, 44th running back overall. Do, do you think that's, even though his week-to-week might be unpredictable, that, that's, do you think that sounds like a pretty good value for him? That sounds like a great value. It sounds late uh, to me. I mean, I don't think he'll be a, a huge part of the, the pass game is where he gets hurt in fantasy football, but... I mean, again, he's going to be the Jonathan Stewart that if it's not Cam, it's going to be a lot of opportunities for CJ uh, to maybe be that guy that finishes off a drive with a touchdown. And remember, he ran for 1,000 yards last year in Denver, first time in his career he has done that. Uh, so I, I think, you know, here he's not likely to get 1,000 yards, but I can see seven to 800 yards possibly for him. Uh, again, again, depending on how much they want to run McCaffrey. Uh, but I could see that taking that workload off of Cam, and then not a lot in the pass game. But uh, I do see like seven, eight hundred yards, and you know, maybe something like six touchdowns, something like that. So again, he's going to be your fourth running back in a lot of drafts on your roster. But uh, still, I thought ten was a little bit late. Okay. Um, the one question I want to ask you about him in, in the Bills game, the first preseason game, we kind of thought that if you if you're thinking that C.J. Anderson is going to fill the Jonathan Stewart role, well, McCaffrey played almost every first string down. And he actually ran in a two-yard touchdown. And when I saw that, I said, I would have expected that to be C.J. Anderson, but it's preseason game one, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. Was I reading too much into that McCaffrey being on the field instead of Anderson at that point? Yeah, I think here's what's going on. is It's situational football. You know, when people uh, who watched McCaffrey at Stanford know at the college level he was able to run between the tackles. Yep. Not so much success as a rookie in this league. I think they want to see in that game that you're talking about, Buffalo, is he a viable between the tackles guy? We think he is. He's put on weight and muscle. He's doing it in practice. Let's experiment. They went heavy with him in both of these two preseason games. I think to see how would he hold up if he run him between the tackles and run him again, throw the ball to him, can he handle it? And, and clearly he can handle uh, the workload. And uh, in that game, I think Artis Payne actually came off the bench before CJ did playing in that second running back role, and then they reversed it last week. So CJ's going to figure in as being, you know, a big part of this offense, not the biggest part, uh, but a big part. He'll be, you know, one of the top two running backs on this team. And I don't know if Artis Payne even makes his team, quite frankly. So I, I think he'll be fine. But, again, it's a guy to have as a backup or, you know, in our case, heaven forbid, uh, you know, Christian gets dinged up for a couple of weeks. And, you know, he's by far the lead back in that situation. And that point is his value goes straight up. Okay, let's go to wide receivers. Uh, first up is Devin Funches. So last season, this is what sometimes we in fantasy football, I guess in real football too, we get distracted by sort of the the the, the upside for people. Devin Funches finished last year in standard formats as wide receiver twenty. 
63 catches, 840 yards, eight touchdowns. That's not huge numbers. That seems to me, I want to see if you agree, those numbers seem very achievable again for Devin Funches, right? I think, you know, with Devin Funches, you know, his his numbers were inflated last year by the fact that Greg Olson was out, you know, most of last year. So I don't think he's going to put up the numbers he put up last year. He's going to be a part of what's going on with, again, as we say, a lot of mouths to feed is your line. That's true. There's going to be a lot of different options doing a lot of different things out there. So I think Devin will be one of the top options in the past game, but I don't know if there's a number one receiver on this team. When Olsen comes back to tight end like he is this year, he's essentially been Cam's number one guy. So to me, I think Devin Funches's numbers are probably not going to be as high as people think going in. All right. So, so I was going to ask you the second thing. He's being drafted as wide receiver 39, and I was going to say that is a drastic undervalue, but you probably don't think that as much as I do then if you think his numbers are going to drop a bit. Probably not far off of that 39. It might be, yeah, that he goes higher in the 30s as far as, you know, what could be expected in most drafts out there. But Torrey Smith's going to get his catches. DJ Moore looks like the real deal. I think that's one of those, as the season wears on, DJ Moore's going to become more and more incorporated in this offense. Jarius Wright is going to steal catches because he knows this North Turner, Minnesota offense, and he seems to have a chemistry with Cam Newton already in this past game. And then the Demir Bird, Curtis Samuel speed factor in there, Olsen McCaffrey. I just, uh, it's just so many. I just don't see where Funches can be anywhere near a thousand yards this year. And uh, with that many different guys there, if they stay healthy, I just don't see him having a big season. I think he'll be as good of a player as he's ever been. But I think, you know, again, with Olsen too, they're just not going to need to put up those kind of numbers because it's going to be such a job share out there with different guys. All right. Let's talk about DJ Moore a little more. Um, He's actually going not long after Funches going in the early 10th uh, wide receiver 45. Again, this is standard leagues, not PPR. He is uh, the, the the phrase I think I mentioned it to you last time we talked was the that the Panthers like to use is he 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 runs like a running back once he gets the ball he, in the yep. first game they seem to get him the ball in near the line of scrimmage and basically basically let him you know get, let him create is the way I want to put it um, I know it's a simplistic way to describe it but but you're right this guy seems like he, early returns and early looking at him in training camp and in the first two preseason games. He looks like he's going to live up to that first-round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, this was the first receiver drafted in the real draft in the NFL this year. And he, and he went for a reason because of what you're talking about. He's physical. He's six feet, but he's 210, solid muscle, and, and defenders bounce off him. He's a great stiff arm, you know, not go down on first contact receiver. And I don't think it necessarily has to be in the short pass game. He's got speed. He made a nice adjustment in that Buffalo preseason game where Taylor Heineke underthrew a ball because he got hit. And he just made a great adjustment to you know, slow up his route, catch that ball with his hands, like Steve Smith used to, a lot of the hands catching out against the chest. And he will get the most out of every reception yardage-wise, which just racks up points for you. And who knows, breaks one off and gets all the way into the end zone on some of these. So I, I do. I think DJ Moore, because of his abilities, as he gets more comfortable in this offense, is going to become a favorite target of Cam's. And it may take till week six or week eight. Uh, which is getting late in the fantasy year. Uh, but I, I think you're going to see him, you know, really becoming by default of just how good he is. You know, it's going to be too tough to pass on him and not incorporate him, you know, in the offense quite a bit. All right. So is he the type of guy in your four upcoming drafts? Is he the type of guy you're going to, you're going to take in, let's say round nine or something like that? Yeah. I like him as like at this point, because again, if he was on a different team, where they didn't have so many options, he probably would be higher. But because there's so many options here, 
Uh, he's, you know, to me, a fourth receiver on, on a roster fantasy draft. If he's your third, I mean, I, I just say realistically, something like he might get three or four catches, 60 yards, just because there's so many options out there. I almost feel like if we try to guess what everyone in the lineup will get, we'll end up with Cam throwing for 500 yards and six touchdowns every week. So I'm trying not to over-dramatize <laughs> right. what kind of stats. But that would be ballpark, like an expectation, say four catches, 50 to 60 yards, touchdown every other week, maybe, maybe every third week, just because, again, there's so many options with this offense. It, he's good, uh, but there are you know just so many guys that are going to be a part of this offense. All right. Let's move on to Greg Olson, who you also mentioned. He had uh, an injury-plagued season last year. He missed a lot of time, and when he was back, he wasn't himself yet. Is that that's mm-hmm. fair, right? He probably the injury probably still bothered him, and, and he was trying to play through it. Was that pretty much what it was? True, he was rusty, and absolutely, he was out since week two. And when he came back, he was not ready. That's for sure. Okay, so now he's thirty-three years old. He had those 3,000-yard seasons that had people drafting him as a top three tight end through last year. Now, coming off the, the injury-shortened season, he's still being drafted as tight end five after Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz, Graham, and that's it. He's going early round six. That strikes me as a bit early for a guy his age and, and with all those mouths to feed. Do you agree with that, or do you think we're going to see a big bounce back from Olsen? Tell me the next two or three tight ends that are coming after him in, in the drafts that you're seeing. Uh, Evan Engram is next, then mm-hmm. Kyle Rudolph, then Trey Burton. Everyone's excited about him in Chicago. Then Delaney Walker. Yeah, and that's your answer. I think it's just like there's not that many receiving options at tight end. So I think Greg's numbers are going to fall off for the same reasons we've been talking about here and because of age. But still, when you look at the 32 choices or so at tight end in the league, he's still a top five or six guy based on. You know, not that many guys are featured in the offenses these days. So he'll be good, but he'll, you know, obviously he's not going to be thousand yard Greg Olson anymore. Uh, but uh, just based on who's there to pick at tight end, he's still one of the top five or six in the league right now. Yeah, and and for context, Evan Engram was fifth last year, and his numbers were sixty four catches, seven hundred twenty two yards, and six touchdowns. So that's, those are not mm-hmm. huge numbers, right there to achieve for Greg like Olson. I, I would expect something like that from Greg Olson this year. I think it's realistic. It's something like, uh, you know, 50, 60 catches, somewhere around, you know, 600 to 700 yards. You know, touchdowns are hard to predict, but he's a red zone threat, so maybe maybe six touchdowns or so, something like that. So I think, you know, that would be a realistic expectation in an offense like this uh, where Greg Olson, what he is there, which still puts him you know, statistically at the end of the year, right where about where he's being drafted probably. All right, uh, before we go, let's talk about the defense real quick. Still a strong front seven, still a questionable secondary, I would say. Uh, Thomas Davis out for the first four games with a suspension. Last year, the Panthers' defense finished 10th in fantasy scoring. They're being drafted 10th right now. They seem That sounds about right to me. Does it sound about right to you? I think so. I could see, John, I don't know this, but I, I could see where, say, the sack total comes down because you mentioned the secondary. You're not going to want to blitz and gamble and get after it as much if you're concerned about the secondary being beat. So I could see initially, at least when the season begins, say Dante Jackson, the rookie, will start as it would appear to. You know, you don't want to put Dante Jackson on that island as raw, talented as he is. He's not anything close to a finished product. Denoris seriously coming off a concussion right now, even so, is a guy who's kind of bounced around the league a little bit as one of your starting safeties. 37-year-old Mike Adams at a safety and James Bradbury, who's good, but not great at the other cornerback spot, right? 
So I think with that secondary, you've got to play it a little bit safe. So I could see where sack totals would come down. I could see where, because you're putting a young player out there, he might play good for a number of plays and then get, you know, beat, uh, with a, with a home run ball. And again, with a safety, that's, that's going to be new to that position. Somebody uh, playing back there who's not been there before with this team. So I could see where this defense will be very good. I think it'll probably get better as the year goes on. Okay. Um, yeah, Dante Jackson, that was a, what, what do you, what do you think of him so far? I mean, he's a smaller guy, really fast and he, he likes himself an awful lot, which is nice. <laughs> But you know what? Does that position kind of come with that? I yeah. Mean, it's like we talk about the divas at wide receiver. It's like that Josh Norman swag mentality. He brings that. He's going to have to prove it on the field because you're right. He's got to physically show that he can play. But guys like Captain Munderland have been undersized and show they can form tackle guys much bigger than them. I, I think coverage-wise, the great thing is obviously with that uh, amazing speed, one of the best combine 40 speeds, that if he makes an error, he can catch up on the fly and, and you know work around some of those errors he might make in coverage. And so I think he'll be fine, but you just got to believe as a rookie, he's going to be tested early and you're going to be playing teams right out of the shoot like Dallas and Atlanta that are going to be really good in the pass game, that uh, they're going to be testing him right away as opposed to Bradbury. So he's got to learn under fire and there's just going to be some mistakes you live with because he's good, but that's the best way for him to learn. And hopefully you can survive those games. Yeah. I'm really curious to see him when, when the real action starts to see how he does. All right, Jim, other uh, beyond your uh, Sunday play-by-play slashed draft duties at the Charlotte Knights game. What do you got coming up? You know, we're into full football season. So, you know, it's, it's every day, first of all, WBT on the morning show and on WFNZ from uh, 5 to 9, 6 to 10 on those two shows. That's Monday through Friday. And we're, we're Panthers football weekly with our games, Panther Talk on Monday on the Panthers radio network. Great pregame show every week, led by John Halpin and all of our great guests we have uh, every week on the Panthers Radio Network, getting you ready for the games each week. So it's it's football season. That's the dominating thing going on right now. All right. Well, Jim, thanks a lot. I appreciate you joining me again. Everybody, Jim is at on Twitter, at Jim Zoki. All right. Uh, Fantasy Football Evolution is back for 2018 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We've added mock drafting, moved the championship final to NFL Week 16, and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join us and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. Fantasy Football Evolution's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long football without the never-ending drafts or the late-season absentee owner and waiver-wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. We hate those. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league. You'll get 16 weeks of action for just $27. You could be the next Fantasy Football Evolution $25,000 champion, but you got to maximize your chances by owning multiple teams, or you should anyway. Optional auto-draft and lineup assists can help you manage them with ease. It's all here, so what are you waiting for? Register now fantasyfootballevolution.com and join the evolution availability varies by states visit fantasy football evolution all right next up josh fathalahi who covers the 49ers for road wire josh um optimism this year for the first time in a, in a little while in san francisco huh Oh, definitely. And I think it a lot of that has to do with uh, the man under center who's creating a lot of buzz for both his on and off field uh, activities this season. <laughs> but but I, th- I think it's I think it's warranted that there's a lot of nice things to look at with this team uh, from the coaching staff down to some of the new position players they have this year. All right. So let's start talking about the players, by the way, Josh is on Twitter at Josh Fath, J-A-S-H Fath, F-A-T-H. Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I've, he's been the topic of a lot of discussion on this podcast this summer. Uh, he's being drafted. I'm at fantasy football calculator. He is QB 10 right now. 
I think that's a little high. And part of my concern is his weapons. The other part is, you know, I've seen five games. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think he's in a with a good play caller. Uh, I think we might be going a little too fast on the Jimmy G love. What do you think about that? Um, I, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you on this one, actually. Ooh, disagree um, with I, me? I know. I know. It's starting off controversial right off the <laughs> bat. But um, there, there, there's positive sides. I mean, what you're saying is warranted, the, the lack of offensive weapons. But uh, the, the short, you know, positive stretch we saw from last year came with that with less weapons than I think he's going to have this year. I mean, that was behind a really shoddy offensive line that really, outside of Joe Staley, who got hurt towards the end of the year, uh, had a lot of guys that, that really struggled prior to his arrival. Um, so I think part of their success was his ability to, you know, kind of make quick decisions, get the ball, get rid of the ball quickly. This year, they used the first-round pick on Mike McGlinchey to, you know, shore up that offensive line on the other end from Staley. Uh, they brought in Weston Richburg uh, to place at a proven center to, to fill their hole there um and i think their offensive line overall their protection is going to be better which should help them um and not to mention he's getting pierre garçon back who was with the team last year but obviously missed the uh he wasn't he was on ir by the time jimmy took over and i think his you know ability to be a good you know proven possession receiver uh and run those short to intermediate routes will be a really nice compliment to uh uh marquise goodwin who kind of took off uh in his absence last year okay so since we respectfully disagree, you've got – I'm going to ask you some either-ors. I'm going to look at the ADP and ask you some either-ors on Jimmy G. So first, Jimmy G or Andrew Luck? Ooh, that's a really tough one. Uh, I, I like Andrew Luck. I've always been a fan of Andrew Luck. But uh, I, I think the injury concerns are you know real. You know, We haven't really seen him let go of it. I, I would take – I would take Jimmy G on there based on uh, the upside alone and Luck's injury, recent injury history. Okay. Uh, Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins? Ooh, another mm-hmm. tough one. But at that that one, I actually like Cousins there. I, you know, Cousins has, has proven that he's been a uh, – he could be a top-flight fantasy quarterback. And he did that in Washington without a lot of weapons, speaking of lack of weapons. Yes. And he did that in Washington himself. And now he gets Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, two of the best, you know, receivers last year who really came out. So I, I, I like Cousins a lot this year. You're like, okay. Next one, Matthew Stafford. Now, that's one that I've been debating myself based on the rankings, and I actually like Jimmy G there. Uh, I think that Stafford has had his moments as a fantasy, you know, relevant quarterback, but I think that he's been kind of inconsistent, and i much rather have Jimmy G's upside, and I think that he can real. I think when the season ends, he will be ranked above Stafford. Okay. Um, all right. So the other ones, let's see. I mean, Philip Rivers, basically Jimmy G over the rest of the pack, it sounds like for you. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you have him at QB 10. I, I think that's actually an appropriate area. And I think there's a little room for upside there. Uh, but maybe I'm just, you know, falling in love with the guy like many have as well. But I, I, I think it's for real. When I saw him uh, take apart that, uh, you know, highly touted Jaguars defense last week in week 15, uh, a team that had something to play for at the time, that really kind of sold me on him. And, you know, uh, his 13 yards per completion, as I wrote in the team preview this year in the magazine, was second to only Deshaun Watson, who's also another quarterback getting a lot of love this uh, this preseason. Okay, let's move to the running backs. So, uh, Jarek McKinnon, calf injury, sounds like he'll be ready for week one, right? Correct, yes. Okay. So, McKinnon, it's funny, I, I always joke that 
before now, I was always the the guy who would want to get McKinnon late in a draft. And I go, this is it. If Peterson gets hurt, this is it. And last year he got hurt. Oh, my gosh. The payoff's here. And the payoff was kind of okay. You know. Yeah, it was decent. You know, he, he averaged under four per yards per carry, which is a little bit of a disappointment. But I think the presence of um, – oh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Yes, Latavius Murray uh, also cut into that as well. Yep. So what do you think? So McKinnon right now uh, in standard, he's going the same place in standard and PPR. Again, fantasy football calculator is what I'm referencing. Uh, fifth pick of the third round as running back 18 standard and in fourth pick of the third round running back 15 PPR. Uh, this would assume, now this doesn't, that draft position doesn't need him to be a bell cow back, which he's probably not. But how big of a workload do you think he can handle well? Uh, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head right there. I, I think that he's not going to be the bell cow back. I, I know his contract really you know, looks like that's what the team wants to do with him. Um, but all signs out of camp is that you know, him and Matt Breida are going to be a you know, 1A, 1B type combo. So uh, your, your dreams, John, of having McKinnon be, you know, get, get those 30 touches a game still maybe put on hold again. Yeah. Now, I don't want to say that's for sure, but uh, that's just the way it's kind of looking out. Now, as you said, Still getting 20 to 25 touches, you know, combined carries and, and you know, receptions uh, is a realistic goal. I mean, I, I think that's very possible. And as you mentioned, that's very useful in fantasy considering his ability to um, not only run the ball, you know, as a big play threat, but also is in a, as a receiver out of the backfield. Okay. So do you think he's worth drafting where he's being drafted? In round three, if you're, if you're in a draft in round three... And you're seeing McKinnon there. Are you likely to take him, not likely to take him, or just kind of, you know, depends on the board? I think it's a little high. I'd probably pass on him that early. Uh, I, I, I thought, you know, after he joined, I thought he'd go a little later, but it seems like everyone's kind of trying to, you know, jump the gun on that, and, and for good reason. But uh, for me personally, the fact that he isn't going to be, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be that, you know, clear starting running back who dominates the touches uh that worries me a bit especially that high in the draft okay so on to the other guy you mentioned Matt Breida. um another one shoulder injury but they're hoping he'll be back for week one right correct yeah both of them it's precautionary holds out they both should be ready for uh for the regular season okay so Breida is being drafted it, to, to what you said with sort of a 1a he Breida is not the sidekick he's the partner maybe with a little bit less of a workload because he might not be on the field for passing downs I guess so um because McKinnon's so good at that but Brita going running back 49 12th round uh, uh the way you described Brita and McKinnon's partnership there that makes me a little excited about grabbing Brita late yeah uh me too and I think that he's the the undervalued of the two uh clearly based on their draft position here now McKinnon is going to, assuming both stay healthy, McKinnon's going to have the better fantasy season. That said, I mean, I could definitely see a 60-40 kind of split in terms of carries. Uh, McKinnon obviously getting the 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 advantage with the receptions to kind of put him a little bit further ahead. But this team has shown, you know, this this front office and also uh, Shanahan have really shown to like Brita. Uh, you saw it last year. 
he was undrafted, came in, he impressed in camp, made the team, and anytime they got a chance to feature him, they would. You know, if Carlos Hyde had a bad drive, you'd see Breedy in there for the next two drives. If anytime he fumbled, you'd see Breedy come in. He gets nicked up, banged up. Breedy was the guy. So it's pretty clear to me that this team likes what he brings to the table, and for good reason. Uh, he averaged 4.4 yards a carry. He showed that he's a hard runner. Uh, he's not the biggest guy, but he he made do with you know any holes that, as I mentioned, terrible offensive line opened up for him. So I really think that he does you know deserve the uh, you know kind of upside he's being given this this uh, preseason. Okay. Um, that's an interesting, that's, that's one of my favorite nuggets here, because if you're in, I, I'm guessing I'm, I'm as an example, I'm in the middle of an MFL. That's, I think I'm in the 12th round and I'm going, all right, who are my, who's my sixth running back going to be and grabbing Brita in like round 13, where I think I can get him now. Sounds pretty cool. Oh no, totally. And Hey, you know, g- given the injury is <laughs> seeing as they're both injured right now. If, let's say, worst case scenario, McKinnon goes down, Breda could, you know, he'll be that guy on your bench who could just immediately elevate into yep. a fantasy usable role immediately. So, okay. I, I, I like him that late for sure. Okay. Folks, is your, still, is your league still rocking that old tired trophy? You don't play fantasy little league. So why does your trophy suck? It shouldn't suck, right? Your fantasy trophy, Josh, shouldn't suck. Is that a fair statement? No, it's, it's got to be big and awesome. Right. So finally, there's a unique and customizable and big and awesome fantasy football trophy to represent your hard-earned victory. Trophy Smack offers over a 1,000 trophy options to choose from. Sizes range from 20 inches to 56 inches and include up to 19 years of free engraving and free shipping on all trophies. Give your league something worth bragging about. Level up your fantasy smack talk and customize your trophy today. And with Trophy Trophy Smack Swap Tops, Every year, the league champ can update the trophy to represent his or her hard-earned victory. The league champ can keep the topper in plaque as a reminder of what it takes to be number one. Throughout the year, Trophy Smack releases new and exciting toppers. There will always be something fun and downright amazing to choose from. Upgrade your league trophy today and then get a free $59 championship ring to keep as your own. Josh, can you imagine like going out with your friends and like going to a bar or something and flashing your fantasy championship ring? Awesome. Oh, it sounds great. It, it, it's already good enough to to talk smack after you win a championship, but to have the ring to back it up. Yes, man, I would totally would be, do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. So um, use promo code RotoRing when checking out with your trophy and ring in your cart. Visit trophysmack.com and use promo code RotoRing to get your free championship ring. Upgrade your trophy today at trophysmack.com. And to- I'm way in on getting that championship ring. I got to get one of my leagues to do that so I can so I can flash it around. It'll be just oh, definitely. so fun. I already made a note right now on the side about that because I think that'd be great for the leagues I'm in as well. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Trophy Smack. All right, wide receivers. Marquise Goodwin. So Marquise Goodwin, you look at him and you go, well, we were talking about the weapons, and I go, little guy. Well, the Bills didn't even want him. Of course, the Bills didn't want him. A lot of receivers who turned out good, but that's another story. <laughs> Very true. And um, running backs, too. So Goodwin, was he 5'9", 180, something like that? Well, Four games with Jimmy. Sorry, sorry. I asked. It was a rhetorical question. Let me let me get to this real quick. Gotcha. Go for it. Four games with Jimmy G. Four full games because in week seventeen, Goodwin got hurt and missed a lot of the game. Four full games with Jimmy G. Thirty nine targets, twenty seven receptions, three fifty six, and four touchdowns. If if we think more of the same's coming, this dude in the beginning of the fifth round is a bargain. Most definitely. I, I th- This is the guy, I, actually in my team preview, uh, I put him as my rising, 
you know, rising player to look for this year because uh, for those reasons you mentioned, the chemistry he showed with Caropolo down the stretch, uh, he really started to look like a wide receiver one. Those numbers that you posted um, here, I actually want to pull up exactly what it was. He averaged uh, five receptions and just around 5.8 receptions and 76.8 yards per game with Jimmy G under center. And, and my now, bad, only, only one touchdown there, not, not four. My mistake. I was reading the wrong column, but the other stats cor- are good. Correct. Yes, exactly. And, and that's okay. I think that's going to be the downside of his game that, you know, you mentioned the small body, uh, the, the only one touchdown there. He only had two last year. Uh, the majority, you know, whatever touchdowns he does get, I think a good chunk of those are going to come on big breakaway over the top type plays because he does have that. I mean, he was a former Olympian. He does have that speed that can, you know, take the top off any defense. Um, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that's, you know, going to be racking up the touchdowns. However, as I mentioned, those reception yards, those receptions and yards per game with Jimmy G, those are wide receiver num one type numbers. Uh, And uh, I think that he was kind of a gadget player in Buffalo. And, you know, during the first half of the season, maybe with not the best quarterbacks under center, uh, no offense to Brian Hoyer and CJ Bethard, who are serviceable NFL quarterbacks. But uh, I I think you really started to see him come into his own with PR Garcon out of the picture. He kind of took over that that starting receiver spot. And I believe this year we mentioned the one, a one B with uh, McKinnon and Brita earlier, but I think that Goodwin's going to be the one a and Garcon's going to be that kind of security blanket safety possession receiver who probably will end up with more touchdowns than Goodwin uh, come year end. But I think uh, you're going to look at the, the stats and see that Goodwin's going to put up a pretty strong season health, you know, all things considered uh, as long as health goes well. Um, and I really do think the the upside is real with uh, this guy. Okay. So where he's being drafted now, he's wide receiver 23 in standard formats. I'm going to ask you some more either or is Goodwin or Josh Gordon, which is a wild card, but it's, you know, it's relevant because they're similar, similar draft positions. Definitely. But uh, I, I'm going to take uh, Goodwin in that better quarterback. Also situation. He's definitely, I think, the top guy there. Goodwin or Chris Hogan? Well, Chris Hogan always puts up those huge random fantasy weeks with Brady. I, I'm 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 going to take Goodwin for consistency. But if you ask me on a, you know, if we're talking DFS uh, mm-hmm. on certain weeks, I may roll with Hogan over over him. OK, the other two more Goodwin or Brandon Cooks. That's another tough one. Cooks has proven to be what Goodwin's trying to be. I may roll Cooks on that one. All right. The last one, Goodwin or Marvin Jones? I'll take Goodwin on there for upside alone. Okay. See, I'm taking uh, the other one. Uh, I I think I'm going uh, him over Cooks because I think Cooks is going to run into it. I think he's in a bad spot. I, yeah, I, that's true. Yeah, the, I think you're right on that one. I, I, mean, I think last year he, he's in the Sammy Watkins spot and that didn't go well for Sammy Watkins. And part of it is because as as a couple of people have talked about here that Goff almost just wouldn't throw to that side of the field. And I don't know if that's going to change or how much it'll change, but I, I just worry that Cooks is just going to run a lot of deep patterns as sort of a decoy and it's, it's it, going to be a little weird. And that, that, that's a very good point. And he didn't really do a, he I owned him when he was a Patriot last year and he was a little bit disappointing. I just know that he's been successful in that role in the past. So that's why I'd give him a slight edge, but I, your point is completely valid. All right. So well, you mentioned Pierre Garcon. Let's talk about him right now. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Teammates, teammates love this guy. Teammates and coaches love this guy. 
He's a professional. He's a hard worker. He's a receiver who he blocks well, all that stuff. He does all the things that, that teams like, okay? But let's get to the fantasy part of things. There was a lot of talk last year in the beginning about how, hey, he's back with Kyle Shanahan. And last time he was with Kyle Shanahan, he had his best season with, you know, 113 catches in Washington. Okay. He goes back with Shanahan and injuries cut short a season, but 40 for 508 games is pretty darn good. Is that a is that a full season kind of pace we can look for from Pierre Garcon? You said he's one good ones one A. That leads me to believe you think yes. Uh yes, but with with tempered expectations here. Now when he went out, Goodwin when he was playing, I mean Goodwin wasn't really the presence that he was that he took over the second half. So it'll be interesting to see how the targets are kind of divvied up with these two. I think they're both gonna lead the team. You know, they're gonna be the top two receivers in in uh the apples of Jimmy Garoppolo's eye. But um, the risk here is that I think Goodwin really propelled himself to, to a situation where he is going to be the primary target. And, you know, Garcon's going to be more of the PPR guy. You saw that with, what, 40 receptions and 500 yards last year uh, mm-hmm. without playing with Jimmy G. So that was with, with lesser talent throwing him the ball. So I think he's still definitely going to be an option there. Um, I think he's going to improve over the zero touchdowns he had uh for sure assuming he stays healthy so yes and no yes in a sense that i think that he's gonna obviously with a full season of health gonna outperform what he did last year because i think he's gonna get more red zone looks i think that the team's gonna be in the red zone more often than they were during the first eight weeks of the season um but i don't think he's gonna see the same amount of targets that he did at the beginning of the year when he was clearly the number one Whereas now he may he may be the one B to Goodwin's one A, so we'll see how it is. I, I think he's going to be useful to answer your question. I think he's going to be useful. I think that he's going to especially shine in PPR leagues. Um, but I wouldn't go overboard with the projections for uh, for Garcon this year. All right, so Garcon, his draft slot is wide receiver forty two, round nine in standard leagues. Yeah or nay? That's fair. Okay. That's fair. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it obviously depends. You know, all drafts kind of at that point that you kind of got to see what's available there. Sometimes you got some higher upside guys. That late, I you, personally, I like to go with more upside. Yeah. Uh, and Garcon doesn't necessarily have that, as I just mentioned. But I think it's a fair draft slot. Let's just say that. All right. Um, do any of the uh, – any anything going on with the other receivers? I mean, Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, any any – fantasy value you can possibly see uh trent taylor looks to be i mean he's been out with a back injury but he came back he scored a touchdown uh, in week two of the preseason so he looks geared up ready to go unchallenged as uh the the 49ers slot receiver um again ppr val any slot receiver he showed great hands ability to run short short routes he's not a guy that you're going to want to take and start you know out of the gates he's kind of the the in ppr leagues let's see what happens and you know kind of have him on the bench there uh, Dante Pettis, though, is, is an interesting guy in that he they used a second round pick on him. So you're thinking, OK, this team doesn't have a whole lot of wide receiver talent. Maybe he can elevate into that. I don't think that's going to happen early or maybe not even this season. Um, I say that based on how the team treated the first preseason game when Trent Taylor was out. Right. Uh, Dante Pettis wasn't ready to step in. He didn't start in the slot. That actually went to, you know, seventh round pick Richie James, um, who performed well in his own right. And is another talented young uh you know, kind of upside guy that they're going to keep hopefully on their practice squad. We'll see how that goes. But Pettis is a guy that I think 
could make an impact. He's he's more of a you know he was a huge return guy. He's an athletic kind of lanky receiver. The the team seems to like that about him. But I don't think he's going to have a fantasy impact right out of the gates. It, it may take an injury or two for him to get that opportunity, um, or maybe just not at all this season. Okay, tight end. As a charter member of hashtag Team Kittle here, <laughs> I'm excited. And and part of in addition to being excited before we started this conversation, you know, well, Goodwin might not be a red zone target and Garcon will get more, but he didn't catch any touchdowns in those eight games last year. And heck, someone's got to catch the ball in the red zone. And Kittle, for in those four Jimmy G starts that we talked about, Kittle had six red zone targets. That's a full season pace of 24, which would have tied him for second in the league. Now, sure, I'm cherry picking a little bit. But I find it hard not to be excited about the fantasy prospect of George Kittle, who is being drafted as tight end 13 right now. Are you, are you in? Um, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I think the, the upside, the excitement is warranted because, I mean, you saw even before Jimmy G took over, those stats, what you said, holds true. But I, there was one specific play against the Colts that uh, you, you may or may not remember where he took a swing pass and uh, from C.J. Bethard and a- or absolutely leveled uh, defensive back, bowled him over and scampered for a big score. Uh, and that really caught the attention, I think, of people who have been you know on Team Kittle. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of his as well. I, I, the big frame... Uh, which, like you said, translates well to the red zone. Uh, he has great speed for a tight end. He's strong. Um, we have to see how he, how his hands, you know, we got flashes of how he was as a receiver last year, but uh, he was nicked up a lot. And that's one thing that I think hurts him. One of the negatives I was going to put on his, uh, uh, on his stock uh, was his inability to stay healthy over the course of the whole season. Um, that and also the presence of Garrett Selleck. Now, Garrett Selleck isn't anyone who I think anyone will be drafting necessarily, right. but uh, Shanahan loves to run his two tight end sets, and he does. You know, Selleck is your prototypical you know run blocking tight end. He showed an ability also when Kittle was out to to garner some red zone looks. Uh, he had three touchdowns, or I, I, he actually I think he had four touchdowns last year, which may have been a career high for him. So I worry a little bit that he could eat into those red zone targets uh, when they're running bigger sets down down there, you know, near the goal line. Um, that that said, I, I'm with you. I am on Team Kittle. I, I love his, you know, his potential as a playmaker. Um, I think he's drafting, being drafted really low, uh, and he may be a guy that I may not draft as my starting tight end, but uh, with in a league with plenty of bench spots. I'm taking a shot on him after I got a guy that, you know, may have a more, uh, more consistent target expectation right. as my starter. Okay. So would you go where the guys are now? Kittle over Jack Doyle? No, I, I'm a big fan of Jack Doyle. Okay. There. Kittle, over, Kittle over David Joku? Yes, I would take him over him. Um, Jordan Reed? Ooh, I'm a big Jordan Reed fan as well, but yeah. the guy can't stay healthy. Exactly. I, that's the guy can't stay healthy. That's just a tough one. I, I mean, ooh, I, I really got to think about that. I, I may lean Reed solely because I think that if let's you know if he does stay healthy, I think he would provide a better fantasy season uh, this year. But that's unlikely. All right, let's go to the defense real quick. Last year, the Niners' defense. I mean, fantasy wise, they did nothing. 
real life wise, they didn't do much. They've spent the last three years basically stocking up their front seven, right? I mean, right. three three linemen early plus Ruben Foster. Um, are, are, is this going to get better? Uh, not completely. Uh, I, I'll lead off with one of those. DeForest Buckner, I think, is already become one of the premier pass rushing defensive tackles in the league. I think he's second to only Clayus Campbell, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, so he has been a great success. I, I think that he's been everything the team wanted him to be. Eric Armstead, another first round pick. Mm, not so much. I mean, he hasn't really uh, done a whole lot. He can't. He's a big guy. Doesn't really generate pass rush as a four-three D end. I think he's better suited for a three-four defense. Um, but it's tough to even say that the guy doesn't stay on the field. So I mean, he's been. He's a guy that I don't think we're going to see. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of. You know, he's not even a starter by the end of the year because Julian Julian Taylor, a seventh round pick, has looked really good in that end spot in his. You know, while uh, Armstead's been out. Solomon Thomas is the guy that's really going to be the question mark. That's going to decide how good this off defensive line is going to look. Uh, he was kind of, you know, didn't have a good rookie year, even though he's taken third overall. But he also didn't start the year. They gave him the rookie treatment and kind of had him coming on in specific situations. And then he got hurt, showed some flashes. How he performs, I think, is going to really determine how this defense goes. Because as of right now, it doesn't look like this team has any sort of pass rush. And they need him to really turn into that guy that they were hoping they got when they took him that that early. So I think the defensive line is really going to determine how this defense does. Because, uh, as you said, Reuben Foster, a stud. He's going to miss the first two games, obviously. But he, he is for sure... Uh, looks like the leader of this, the a young leader of this defense uh, in terms of his talent and ability to roam the middle. Um, you know, and obviously the additions of Richard Sherman and uh, and a core of young defensive backs, young athletic backs to to back him up. Uh, I think will 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 improve as well. I mean, they were what ranked like the, near the bottom of the league last year in defense. I think they will improve, but we're not looking at a stalwart quite yet. Okay, so so if you're in a, let's say a 12 team league and you're taking a flyer on your defense later, you know you you pass on you know the Jags Rams teams like that or Chargers teams like yeah. that, you're not gonna you're not gonna take a flyer on the Niners. You don't think it's worth it? Uh, no, and I don't think in most leagues I don't think anybody would. Right. I, they're not really a high profile kind of team, but they are a team that I would look at in certain matchups, and especially if they come out of the gate strong. Uh, I believe in Robert Saleh is a uh, defensive coordinator. I think he's doing a great job with them, and and like I said, I want to see how that defensive line performs uh, out of the gates before I would uh, even consider them as a defensive fantasy option. All right, Josh, this was great. Again, he is at Josh Fath on Twitter. Josh, what else are you working on? Uh, well, I also, you know, I cover baseball for, for Rotowire as well. So I'm taking a look at the Dodgers, Giants, Padres and Angels. So there's, uh, you know, September's coming, September college are coming. So that's a lot of exciting stuff. But uh, I'm also excited for this football season. I'm excited to see how the 49ers look in their dress rehearsal game this Saturday against the Colts. That'll be a, that'll really shine a light on, you know, their third running back position and uh, <laughs> other small defensive battles, which have been going on. But uh, I'm just excited for football to start, man. This is, this is a great time of year. I am too. I always, I joked around last year in the same thing here for doing four of these shows a week. You run out of things to talk about. People don't want to hear me talking about Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. I can say that. <laughs> well, you, really? What do you, nobody talks about him. What do you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, 
it's, oh man yeah, yeah i got a list of them i got a, i knew it was going to happen and i got a list but anyway that's for another day i don't want to bring guys up again folks <laughs> listeners to our podcast get a free 10-day rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod no credit card needed to do that so you can check out nearly all the features on the site take a look now rotowire.com slash pod if you like the podcast as always please leave a review and a rating. We really appreciate when you do that. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We will be back on Friday. We're going to talk Ravens and Bucks with the Rotowire beat writers for those teams. So come on back then. For Jim Zoki and Josh Fathalahi, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.